0: Hi, I'm Abigail Campbell from Clinton, South Carolina, a student pharmacist from Presbyterian College School of Pharmacy in Clinton, South Carolina. Hi, I'm Carly from Nashville, Illinois, a pharmacy resident from the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. episode, we will talk with Dr. Joseph Sassine about credentialing in pharmacy. Dr. Sassine is professor in the Departments of Clinical Pharmacy and Family Medicine at the University of Colorado on the Ann-Schultz Medical Campus in Aurora, Colorado. Dr. Sassine has served on the Board of Pharmacy Specialties, as well as the Ambulatory Care, Cardiology, and Pharmacotherapy Specialty Councils for BPS.
1: Hi there, this is Stuart Haynes, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. My co host today is Chase Board, a PGY1 community pharmacy practice resident from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Hello, and welcome.
2: Our topic today is credentialing and board certification. As a pharmacy resident, I'm eager to find new opportunities to improve the quality of care I can provide to my patients. As a student, I was pretty intrigued by all those acronyms behind the names of some pharmacists I've worked with, wondering what that all meant. And I'm sure, and many of in our audience are wondering about board certification and whether they should be pursuing some sort of advanced credential to up their game. So I'm very excited to dive deeper into this topic today.
1: Our guest is Dr. Joseph Sassine, or Joe, professor in the Department of Clinical Pharmacy at the University of Colorado and a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist, pharmacotherapy specialist, and a certified lipid specialist. Uh, Dr. Sassine has been a member of the Board of Pharmacy Specialties, also known as BPS, as well as two of the specialty councils over the past decade And Dr. Sassine was the chair of the ACCP Certification Affairs Committee and the first author on the resultant ACCP white paper entitled Future Clinical Pharmacy Practitioners Should Be Board-Certified Specialists. So, Joe, welcome to Pharmacy Forward.
3: Well, thank you, Stuart and Chase. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a topic that I'm very
1: passionate about. So Joe, many of us who have full-time faculty appointments are familiar with the various credentials one can earn following graduation from pharmacy school, but I suspect that some in our audience don't really understand what a credential is or how a certificate is different than certification. So I'm hoping you can give us a brief overview of the kinds of credentials that are available to pharmacists beyond their entry-level degree and their pharmacy license.
3: Absolutely. This can be somewhat confusing with different terminology. And there's certificate programs, and then there's actual certification. Perhaps the easiest to explain is what is a certificate program. And the way I usually describe this, a certificate is something you get after completing sort of a focused, structured bit of continuing education. So you may sit through a half-day CE program and then earn a certificate of participation. That's going to be different than a certification. And our biggest one that we think of is board certification which um, we have many different ones that we can talk about but a certification process really is um, a program where there's eligibility criteria which identifies a population that is eligible and then there's some verification process usually verification of not only the experiences but also knowledge. A credential is, and for our audience, we all have pharmacy licenses. So that's a basic form of a credential um, where we have a licensure to enter our profession and, and do certain duties. But there's also training programs where pharmacists, after graduating from pharmacy programs, can enter either residency and or fellowship programs. And those are examples, especially residencies that are credited by ASHP, of a credential
2: Joe, since I'm completing a residency at the moment, I've put more thought towards getting board certification. I understand there's lots of different options. It looks like there's about 12 different specialties that are available through board of pharmacy specialties or BPS, and there are some certifications that I've seen that are not sponsored by BPS, uh, such as certified lipid specialist or CLS, which I notice you have, Joe. Can you give us a brief rundown of some types of board certifications that a pharmacist might wish to pursue?
3: Absolutely. I think as a pharmacist, we can have two large buckets, as you alluded to, ones that are pharmacist only type board certifications, and then there's some interprofessional um, additional type of programs that we have and perhaps the one that um, is easiest to explain is the ones that are issued through BPS which Stuart alluded to already the Board of Pharmacy Specialties and there are 12 with actually perhaps even some more around the corner um, in evolving areas such as transplant and perhaps even emergency medicine or emergency department pharmacist care but the 12 that are currently available include um, BCPS which are board certified pharmacotherapy specialists and then 11 other areas which which are a little, little bit more focused, for example, either in ambulatory care or critical care or cardiology that have more of a focus in a patient population. Uh, when I'm encouraged to hear that you're thinking about board certification as somebody who's in an ASHP-credited residency program, because what your residency program will um, offer you is a training program that gives you experiences. But one way beyond residency programs sort of to dovetail that is to sort of attest and prove that you're at a certain level of knowledge and where that in the pharmacy world often is demonstrated is through a BPS board certification. BCPS, the board certified pharmacotherapy specialist, is an individual who completes at least one year of accredited residency training, typically the PGY-1 type programs. Um, or somebody without residency training who has a certain amount of experiences in direct patient care will be eligible for this board certification. And it really is the general credential being pharmacotherapy, not really tied to a specific disease state, but covering a large amount of activities and tasks that are within the domain of a pharmacotherapy specialist. And this is somewhat different than the other 11. The other 11 in general, as I said, had some kind of focus, whether it be cardiology or critical care or infectious diseases, ambulatory care, so on and so forth, where typically that eligibility is not immediately after one year of residency training. It's either after the completion of a second year, a PGY2 program in that specific specialty, or the combination of a pg plus some years of experience, or just years of experience, which would be more than what is needed for the BCPS credential to be eligible. Beyond the pharmacy-specific board certifications through BPS, there are several other interprofessional offerings. So when we think of these, these are typically very focused not only within a large category of patient populations, but more more specifically on a disease state. So perhaps the ones that pharmacists highly engage in the most from an interprofessional perspective is either the certified diabetes educator or the BCADME. Um, or board-certified advanced diabetes management credential. So not only do pharmacists, but um, we may have nurses sometimes, or dietitians, or other health professionals. Perhaps even a physician can be a CDE. And it would represent sort of an organized program that is validating knowledge, and also you have to have experience to meet the minimum qualifications for these different credentials. But it really is in a field where... Um, we have interprofessional care, and diabetes is a great example of that. Another big one that I think of is one that I have, which is um, a, being a lipid specialist or CLS, similar to CDE. It is a multidisciplinary credential where it's not just pharmacists that can actually become this um, certified lipid specialist, but it could be a dietitian, nurse practitioner, PA, or perhaps even a physician. I think there is some value to both a pharmacist-specific credential and then a multidisciplinary credential. Pharmacist-specific credentials through um, BPS, the multidisciplinary ones really can help a pharmacist sort of at least attest and prove that there are certain knowledge level that's comparable to other interprofessional colleagues. And just for completeness sake, I don't want to just focus in on diabetes and lipid management. There are other examples of interprofessional credentials. There are some with an HIV and some with a medication safety that are available to pharmacists. So this world of credentialing can be quite vast and broad.
1: So let me ask you this, Joe. So there are several credentials that one can get in very specific areas, whether it's specific pharmacy areas or interprofessional. And I'm wondering whether you think it's wise, particularly for someone who's just just out of school to pursue a credential that is very specific versus something that's a bit more general, such as pharmacotherapy specialist, which is a very generalized credential versus focusing on a very specific disease like asthma or lipids or diabetes?
3: You know, in my opinion, Stuart, I think when you're early in your career, I think you're better off being broader than very narrow. Um, I think those broader credentials do position candidates um light from a competitive standpoint, where you do want to verify early in your career, I think some broad application of knowledge and skills in a broader population. Then as you progress in your career and go down a path where you maybe focus more on a particular disease state, that's where I think the value of getting a more disease-specific credential, I think, carries its weight.
2: So Joe, as a a PGY1 resident, I'm interested in pursuing a PGY2 ambulatory care residency, and I'm interested in pursuing a CDE credential. Um, I know that's a little more specific and disease state oriented, uh, but that's one of my passions that I'm interested in. Would you recommend that I go BCPS first? And then uh, I guess what would a timeline look for going to pursue a CDE after that?
3: So that's a really good question, Chase, and I think that you're going to get different um, responses from different people. I, I guess I don't want to call myself a traditionalist, but I think the, the credential that you're eligible for earliest would be BCPS. So as um, soon to be a graduate from an accredited PGY-1 program, I would encourage you that that's probably the quickest path to a board-certified credentialing that will probably give you the biggest acceptance from a broader crowd. I don't, I, I don't want to downplay the importance of becoming a certified diabetes educator because you know, it will attest if you become a CDE that you're a health professional who possesses comprehensive knowledge and experiences, but really only in the diabetes realm. Um, The only limitation about getting a CDE ahead of maybe more broad credentials, it does really narrow perhaps the scope of the opportunities that you might be offered in the future. The path to timing for board certification. For BPS, BCPS is probably the quickest for somebody who is a residency graduate because you will be at least qualified to sit for the exam upon completion successful completion of your PGY-1, where CDE does require other um, requirements such as a logging of a certain amount of hours in the domain and getting that verified. So the path to a CDE is going to be longer simply because of the eligibility requirements. It will be longer than what you see for BCPS. Can I ask you, Chase, um, were you thinking of pursuing a credential during your PGY-2 or after PGY-2?
2: Joe, that's a good question. I haven't uh, given that much thought um, n- now that I'm still in my PGY-1. I'm still focusing on on this program right now, but that is something that I'm looking towards because, as you had mentioned, it does take time. I guess I'll kind of rebound the question back to you. Um, when should I start? Should I start thinking about that now during my PGY-1 or how soon should I start focusing on those objectives?
3: I think now that you're actually in a residency program and halfway throughout, I think it is time to think about this. And pharmacy has become um, a bit more competitive than it has in the past. And I say that because perhaps the value of achieving and and securing a credential like BCPS may give you a little bit more bang for your buck earlier on than late from this perspective. Um, I've had many residents in our PGY-2 ambulatory Care Program that have chosen to become board-certified pharmacotherapy specialists. And at the time that they're looking for jobs for their post-PGY-2 career, when they have a board-certified um, pharmacotherapy specialist credential through BPS, a board certification, it does actually catch the eyes of future employers. Now, board certifications through BPS are not perfect in that they don't prove that you're a competent clinician. We're hoping that residency training does that, but it does um, verify your eligibility and also the knowledge that you have, which is done through a written examination. So I think to, to directly answer your question, Chase, now is a time to think about it. I encourage people like yourself to seriously consider whether they can sit for BCPS during their PGY-2. And then as somebody who holds two credentials and Stuart is in the same boat that I am, um, I maintain my BCPS, though after that I got my BCACP. And I feel it's important for myself to have both the broad credential and the more specific credential in ambulatory care that relates directly to the practice that I'm in.
1: So Joe, I'm wondering what you would recommend in terms of preparation. I know that you need to meet the eligibility criteria and that takes time and experiences, but there's also an exam that you have to pass. And I'm curious as what are your recommendations uh, for people who wish to prepare for the exams, how they should go about doing that. That's, uh, that's a key to success, Stuart, is actually planning
3: appropriately. So I'm a believer that everybody does learn a little bit differently, but there always is, I think, a general sort of camaraderie when you actually study for an exam In either a group environment or in a structured program because I think it gives you some forced guidance. Um, There are some individuals who actually have the ability to be very self-motivated and very self-aware of where they're strong and where they're weak when they're preparing for exams. So there may be some individuals that can do it all on their own by looking at the, the exam blueprint and maybe going off the resources that are available online. But I'm a pretty big advocate of two types of approaches. One is going through a structured program and I won't endorse one particular one over another, but our major pharmacy organizations do offer board prep courses, and I think they're all very good. Some are structured a differently than others. Then I think in specifically to residency. So those people are in PGY-2 residency programs. I, th- I find that a lot of them are successful when they form their own study groups too, when they use the tools from a board prep course, but then actually form their own study groups. And it, within a residency program, heck, just think about it. You're, you're receiving a stipend to learn. <laughs> so you're being paid as a PGY-2 resident to learn and practice in a clinical environment. What I really discourage people doing is going into the exam cold without any preparation. It's an expensive investment of your time and your money. So I would always go in prepared.
1: So, Joe, now that we've talked about the what and the how, I'm wondering about the why. You know, why should a pharmacist pursue advanced credentials such as board certification? What's the value, particularly to the individual pharmacist? Getting these credentials is hard work, as you've mentioned, and it's a big investment of time and money. So why should new graduates even bother to do this? Is it really worth it?
3: That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Is it worth my time and my money to become a board certified pharmacist under BPS or pursue any other credential? And I guess there's a few things that I would think about in support of considering it. Uh, One is job competitiveness, which I've alluded to. Uh, We are now living in a time where there is a lot of competition, and there are a lot of qualified candidates out there that have completed residency training and or have years of experience as a clinician. So demonstrating your knowledge or verifying it through a board certification credential or some other type of comparable credential, I think, does help neutralize concerns of whether you as an individual are at a certain knowledge level. I think another consideration for those pharmacists who have been in practice for a while, perhaps they're in- VA system or some other health system where becoming a board-certified specialist may increase your chance at promotion or increase your steps in a career ladder. In some instances, that can relate to more pay, though it's not guaranteed that if you become a board-certified specialist in an area that you will receive more pay, but there are some organizations that do that. I think another thing to consider are the professional opportunities that may come your way if you are a board-certified pharmacist. For example, sometimes review panels or invited committee assignments or other types of professional activities may look for people that are not just licensed pharmacists, not just PharmDs and not just working in a certain environment. They also may look at the credentials that you carry. And so those credentials can often open doors. I guess one more thing that I would add to this in the spirit of, of continuous professional development, What we really know now is that as practicing pharmacists, most of what we use on a day-to-day basis is not what we were taught in school. Most of what we use on a day-to-day basis is what we've developed in our skill set post-licensure. And by engaging in these programs, it actually does Force yourself as a professional to expand your knowledge base and expand your abilities, which is a skill set that we all need. Because more than half of the medications that I, you know, implement and recommend in my clinical practice were not available when I graduated from pharmacy school. So I've had to learn it after my structured PharmD program, and um, I think pursuing certifications is actually along the lines of developing that continuous professional development. And then I think another perspective to think about is the benefit to the profession. I think perhaps it comes off a little Pollyanna thinking it this way, but the more of a critical mass we have of certified specialists, I think it increases our credibility amongst our medical colleagues and maybe amongst payers. I think it gives us a little more leverage to actually the things that we should be asking for or pushing the envelope forward whether it's for practice advancement from a process standpoint or getting your collaborative drug therapy management protocols expanded or going to statewide protocols which are well beyond cdtms or even reimbursement. So I think from a professional standpoint, we need to keep that in mind. And I do want to tie it back into patient care. The overall intent of these advanced credentials, and even certificate programs, I'll throw them in there too, is really so that as pharmacists, we provide better patient care. While these are not perfect, they really are trying to not only advance pharmacy as a profession, but most importantly, to improve patient care. So,
2: Joe, what I've taken away from this is that a certificate is more or less kind of like a CE program and you can obtain after a short lecture or something like that versus a certification, which requires verification of an expected knowledge level. And how to do this is through pre-planning, through structured programs, uh, through years of experience, and um, also doing a PGY-1 or pursuing a PGY-2 after. And why is because that it's competitive in the job market now. And as you alluded to, professional opportunities can open up when pharmacists are more credentialed. And then also, um, as, as you hit home, just improving patient care is, is the main main point.
1: Well, Joe, I can't thank you enough for being here today uh, and exploring these concepts of credentialing and board certification in this episode of Pharmacy Forward and sharing your wisdom on this important topic. Yes, Joe, thank you so much for being on our show today.
2: I've, I've learned a lot.
0: Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and to send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. This episode was conceived and developed by Chase Board, Lily Van Chang, Ha Fan, Alex Mills, Megan Brown, Laurie Fleming, Josh Fleming, and Stuart Haynes.